You're listening to Words of Encouragement, the preaching ministry from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Winsboro, Louisiana. Today, we're looking at God's body, God's choice. God's body, God's choice. Today, on Words of Encouragement. I was reading this passage recently and it just jumped out at me again and I thought, oh my goodness, there's, there's so much in the Word of God that we need to hear and you can't, you know, it's, how are we ever going to hear everything God wants to say to us in this lifetime? But I truly hope that you and I are reaching out and listening and hoping to hear what He has to say to us. As I reread this passage, I saw that there's just so much more that we need to look at. Many people live their Christian life as if it is all up to them. It's me, and it's my life, and it's all up to me to live this Christian life. And seriously, people make, they, they, they live day to day, and they make decisions all by themselves. Can you believe that? That, you, that there are some people out in our world that just go day to day making their own decisions. Oh, yeah, we're not like that, are we? Ooh, wow, yeah, wow. Uh, you know, to, to me, and, and, and I, I'm guilty as well, but to me that is so odd. Uh, I mean, if I, gave my, if I gave the rights to my life, the rights to my body as frail and little as it is, if I gave the rights to my body and my life over to God, then what does that mean? It means I'm not supposed to be in charge of my body. I'm not supposed to be in charge of my life because I have given all of that over to God. And I've said to him, dear God, I want you to be in charge. I want you to lead me, you to guide me, you to work through me. I don't belong to myself anymore, if I can put it that way. Does this mean I need to be careful how I use my body? I think so. I think so. Does this mean that, that, that I just I can't really just run out and live however I want to live? I think that's what that means. If I've truly given myself over to a God who loves me and a God who's going to take care of me, then I need to let Him do that. Today, God's body, God's choice. If you are able and willing, I ask that you stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God from 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. The Bible says this, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds... As they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. May God speak to our hearts this morning is my prayer. I invite you to be seated. I 
I love this passage. It says so much to us. First, we see believers are not of this world. Peter's writing to believers here, and he uses the word beloved. In other words, Peter is saying, listen up. I love you. And it's because I love you that I'm about to say what I'm about to say. I love you, and because I do, I need to tell you some things. And so, so the next time your spouse, your relative, your dear friend comes to you and says, Beloved, know that they love you. But they may be about to say something that you may be a little uncomfortable with. It may just be a gentle reminder. It may be something you, you take from them and say, Oh, yes, yes, thank you for reminding me of that. You are so right. It may be, oh my goodness, I can't believe you're reminding me of this again. (sighs) And you know they're right. And they love you. And so if they love you and they're right, there you go. (laughs) There you are. You're in the midst of someone who cares deeply enough for you to tell you something that you need to hear. And so this is what Peter said. He starts off, he says, beloved, fisherman Peter Wants them to know where he's coming from, and he's coming from a heart of love. The Phillips translation does an, uh, an interesting job in translating this phrase. It says, I beg you as those whom I love. I like that. <laughs> I beg you as those whom I love. Another way of saying this, I strongly urge you, I strongly appeal to you. The word urge means literally to call to one side in order to give aid or help. I come alongside. We see here that Peter cares deeply for them. He wants them to be all that God wants them to be. I mean, this is, this is his goal as, a, as, as one who is a follower of God, one who is an apostle. How do I know, how do I know this though? How do I know this? Because he would have left them to be victims of sin if he did not care about them. If Peter didn't care about them, he wouldn't be writing to them. He wouldn't say, you know, he wouldn't even say, beloved, hey, I love y'all. I need to tell you something. He wouldn't even bring it up if he didn't care. Oh, but he cares. He cares. And so he does. He writes to them and he says this, these next things to them. Because it's important that they hear it. He calls them aliens and strangers. Wow. Aliens and strangers? Now, wait a minute. This is kind of... I don't want to be called an alien or a stranger. But but listen. What is he saying here? He addresses them in this way because once a person has a relationship with Christ, they do not own themselves. They are no longer a part of the rest of this world. They've been separated out. From the rest of the world. So they're different. You and I, if we've accepted Christ into our hearts, we're different. We have been marked. Some some say today, well, we got marked with a target because people are beginning not to like Christians. Is it because, oh, that's a whole other sermon. Is that because of some Christians' behavior, ill behavior in our world? I say yes. But But they don't like, some people, they all those Christians. You and I have an opportunity to show them the love of God. And when we do that, there will be a difference like they have never seen or understood. 
And they will say, wait a minute, what is with these people? I thought the Christians were the ones that just hated everything and everybody in our world. That's, that's the, what we see. Isn't that what they are? Let's show them differently. Peter just wants them to know, look, you are different. As a Christian, you are different from the rest of the world. The term alien in a close is a close synonym, which means, listen to this, one who lives in a place that is not his true home. This, is, this world's not our home. It's not our home. We've got a heavenly home that is waiting for us. That is our home up there with God. And so Peter says, look, y'all are aliens now. You're not part of this world. You're aliens. You're living in a place that is not your home. It refers to a person living in a foreign land alongside of people who are not of his or her kind. This world is not their home, as I have said. And they are pilgrims. They are passing through on a journey. If this is true, then all those who do not have a relationship with God are not the same as those who do. I mean, one of these people is not like the other. I mean, you can't lump Christians and the world together and say, oh, they're all the same. No, they're not. No, they're not. Some, the Christians, have had a life-altering, life-changing moment, experience with Christ Himself and are hopefully walking with Him daily. And so they're different. And the way they live, the way they speak, the way they handle situations, the way they handle people, the way they react to people is different than everyone else in the world. Peter makes this point by calling them aliens and strangers. We cannot live as if the television is helpful to our soul, our relationship with Christ. We cannot assume that the advertisers have our soul in mind as they seek to convince us that we deserve or need their product. We cannot live as, as if the world can be helpful to our soul. Oh, but Brother Craig, not everything's bad, but is it helpful? Well, Brother Craig, does that mean I, 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 I shouldn't have a, a car at all uh, because uh, that's something of the world? Let's not go to extremes. Is the car helpful to your relationship with Christ? For some of you, you say, well, I got here in it. Well, I got to meet with my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. I know some of you, I've been here long enough to know that some of you, if you got paid for mileage in ministry, you'd be pretty good. <laughs> you'd do well. Because some of you, I know, are very, very uh, adept at making your way to helping someone else. Some of you are very good at ministering to other people. And you go and you get in that vehicle and it helps you to get to where you can help someone. And it's amazing how that works. But we, but we cannot live as if the intent of this world is to help you in relationship with Christ. That's not going to work. That's not going to happen. The world is not going to lead you to Christ. As believers, we must allow God to tend our soul and not the world. This world's not going to take care of our soul. This world's not going to keep our soul in a, in, a, in a special place and reserve it for that day of judgment, that day that we leave this earth. The world's not doing anything in that way. One of the, one of the pieces of information that we need to let new believers know and hopefully understand is that they are being set apart from the rest of the world. This decision to follow Christ is setting you 
against the world. It's setting you against the world. It's, it's, it's bringing you outside of this world. That's what's happening. And we need to let people know that. It, it's just like when God chose the Israelites to be His people. They were set apart to show the rest of the world what it looks like when people follow God. And that's amazing to me. That He would, he would just choose these. Okay, look. Now, y'all are going to be my people. And I don't know if God's a southerner, some say he is, but if, 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 if y'all are going to be my people, and, and I'm going to set you apart from the rest of this world, and, and, and I'm going to take care of you, I'm going to lead you, and, and you're going to follow me as, as best you can, because I know you. <laughs> I, know, I know that you're going to mess up, but, but you are my people, I've chosen you. And so these people, we see the roller coaster ride, and we see us still on that roller coaster as believers. We, we're on a high with Jesus at some points, and then we're at a low point because we've done something wrong. We've said something against Him, done something against Him. But they were markedly different, and their laws, the laws that they followed were different than everybody else. And so they, they were different. They were different, and people knew they were different. Oh, those are the Israelites. Oh, look at what their God did. Oh, boy. Something about them people. <laughs> Something about them people. Something different. You as a believer are set apart. You are not your own. I am not my own. I have been set apart. You do not belong here except for a temporary time. You as a believer are not of this world. That's the first thing I want you to understand this morning. You are not of this world. The second thing, believers are not to live like this world. If we've been set apart, then we can't live like everybody else either. Look at the second part of verse 11. It says, To abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Now, Dwight Edwards wrote this. He said, It's not enough for the gardener, listen to this, It's not enough for the gardener to love the flowers He must also hate the weeds. I like that. I like that. It's not not enough just to love the flowers, but he must hate the weeds because that needs to be, because they're going to grow and they're going to come and they're going to be in there and you got to get rid of those. Because of our relationship with Christ, we are to live in a way that is over and apart from this world. Remember, we belong to God, we belong to Him. He is our Heavenly Father who loves us. He's our Heavenly Father who redeemed us through Jesus, His Son. He did that for us. We live amongst those who are not like us, and because we do, we have a tendency to live like they do. We have a tendency to get caught up in everything they do and and participate in the same type things that they do. Whether it be gossip, whether it be excessive drinking, whether it be drugs, whether it be whatever. We have a tendency to get swept up sometimes into some of that. Now, preacher, gossip, now, drugs. Sin is, sin is, sin. Oh, but that's a little, no, it's still sin. Oh, but it's still sin. It's still sin. And we have a tendency to draw our, to allow ourselves to be drawn in to living like this world. I remember when I came uh, home after spending close to four hours at work at, when I was in seminary with a crew of Brazilians. Uh, we were custodians in the music building at Southwestern Seminary. And somehow, almost every one of them was a Brazilian except for me and Jack, our, our immediate supervisor guy. <laughs> 
and I, I would come home, and Suzanne said, why, why are you talking like that? I said, what do you mean? Why, why am I talking? What, what are you? She said, you're not, you're, not, you're not speaking normally. I said, what do you mean? I had spent four hours talking with Brazilians, and I had taken on, not on purpose, but taken on their way of talking. Their English accent, you know, or their Brazilian accent was overcoming their English. And so, and it wasn't horrible, but, you know, it was just a a way of talking that was just, you know, not the way I talked. And Suzanne's just like, why are you talking like that? I said, I don't know. I I, I don't know. I was, I just spent a lot of time with Elias and Elias and I were talking and talking and I just wound up talking like he did. I didn't even realize that my pattern of speech had adapted to theirs. I didn't even realize it. I mean, you know, and that's how it can be. How subtle and unnoticeable that sin crawls into our lives. It's just a steady barrage, and it just kind of comes in. And before we know it, well, there it is. And we act like we're surprised about it. Although we have been in places to where it can infiltrate our lives, slowly but surely. It's amazing how it works. It has a way of sneaking itself into our lives. When those around us are sinning and there is no, there is no one who is not sinning, that particular sin can sometimes become accepted, an accepted part of our lives. Maybe for a little time or a long time. And before we know it, well, it's just, oh, we've always done this. Oh, well, it's not right. Oh, well, everybody does it. It's all, it's accepted. It's amazing how when a lot of people accept something, that somehow it's just okay for me. Because everybody else is doing it. It's harder. Listen, God has not called us to live an easy life. He's, he's called us to follow Jesus. And when we follow Jesus, there are going to be some hard times, some tough times, some times where we're going to have to go against the flow. We're going to have to be the one who stands out. You know, and, and people go, well, oh, come on, just go along with it. No, I'm sorry. You're going to have to be the one who stands up and says no. And people may not like it, but you know what? God will like it. And who do you belong to? You belong to Him. You belong to Him. Sinful ways belong to this present world, but you and I as a believer do not belong to them. Listen to what D.L. Moody said. He said, I have more trouble. This is D.L. Moody, the great evangelist from years past. He was before Billy Graham, by the way. And you, let me tell you, you need to teach your children about Billy Graham. I asked a young, a young girl at the uh, a social studies fair that I got to judge. She did this thing on Angola. I said, oh, that's wonderful. I said, do you know who Billy Graham is? I thought, yeah, she knows. She said, no. I said, oh. I should have asked her if she knew who Jesus was. (laughs) That's what I should have asked, I guess. But I was trying to make a point that Angola had made his casket. And that Billy Graham, his body lays in a casket made by Angola prisoners. And I just thought that was an amazing piece of information. I felt she needed to know. I thought, my goodness, she doesn't know who Billy Graham is. Well, before Billy Graham, there was D.L. Moody. And D.L. Moody himself said this, I have more trouble with D.L. Moody than any man I know. That's an honest man right there. He knows himself very well. The struggle is real. All right, let's keep on with this. The the word abstain means to continually keep away from sinful desires 
do not let yourself indulge in them at any time. Notice Peter does not say, pray about that and ask God to help you when it comes to fleshly lusts, which could be sexual, but not necessarily sexual lusts. We think we hear the word lust, and that's where our mind goes, but doesn't necessarily have to mean just those types of sins. But he says, abstain from fleshly lust. He does not say, you need to pray about it. You need to, oh, you need to say, God, I need your help at dealing with it. Peter just says, keep away. Abstain. Don't participate. Just don't do it. Oh, wow. Oh, dear God, help me not to do this. Well, don't do it. <laughs> I mean, it sounds so simple. But, you know, sometimes you and I need to remove ourselves from situations because the situation we're in, we'll, oh yeah, we'll probably go ahead and do it again. No. Remove yourself from that situation. Get yourself away from it. Flee. Flee. Go away. Keep away. Why? Because these sins war against your soul. They pull you away from the one who loves you the most. That's what sin does. It pulls you away from a God who loves you the most. Don't let sin pull you away from a God who loves you the most. Don't let him do it. Oh, but it's just for a little bit. No, no, you don't. Do you really want to deal with that? Think about it. Do you really want to then have to say, oh boy, now I've got to go to God and I've got to, you know, say, God, I'm sorry. I, I Forgive me of my sin. Knowingly sinning and knowing that you're going to have to go back to him and say, oh God, please forgive me. What is with that? Why do we as people do that? Because we are humans. But we don't have to live that way. And God pulls us in the other direction. Sin pulls us toward itself. God pulls us toward Him. You and I are to live over and apart from this world. Well, the last thing. Believers are to live differently. Now, this is a little different. But we're not to live like the world, but we're supposed to live in a certain way. Well, how are we supposed to live? Peter says, look at verse 12. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, Glorify God in the day of visitation. Notice Peter says, keep, maintain your excellent behavior. Maintain your good living. Keep on living that way. Peter says, hey, y'all just keep on. That's a good thing. Keep living this way. The King James uses the word conversation. Let your conversation. It means conduct or behavior. This word behavior also carries with it the meaning of, day, of a day-to-day pattern. Keep. It's continual. It's not, okay, I think today I will try to be a good boy or a good girl. <laughs> today I will try to keep, uh, you know, I'll, I'll make God happy. Tomorrow, I don't know, but, you know, every day, every day, a day-by-day day pattern. Dear God, I'll let me please you. I want to please you today in all that I do and in all that I say. Lord, help me to please you. I'm yours. I belong to you. Remind yourself of who you belong to. It's a consistently lived life of keeping that good behavior. As believers, you and I are to consistently live in a way that brings glory to God, that even when people speak poorly or badly of us, there will be someone who sees us and realizes that we belong to Christ. And that makes a difference. 
The consistently lived life, a consistently lived life. Sure, you and I are going to mess up, but what do we do when we mess up? What do we do when we do mess up? We make it right. We go back and we say, forgive me, I messed up. I, I need to make this right. I need you to understand I messed up and I'm aware of it and I'm dealing with that. I need you to forgive me, maybe. That's what you need to say. Whatever it is, but this consistently lived life. Some of us think that people are watching us so closely the moment we mess up, well, then they're just never going to live. They're just never going to trust in Jesus again because we messed up that one time and they'll never forget it. You're consistently living, if you're consistently living a life pleasing to the Lord, they will see the consistency. And they'll find respect in you. Not that you're wanting respect, but they will respect you because you are living consistently before God and the world, a life that pleases God. America doesn't need the right candidate in the White House to heal our land. America needs God. America needs God. This world needs God. This country needs God. The, these, this, this country and this world need people that are consistently exposing others to the love and the grace of God. That's what they need. Oh, Brother Craig, no, they need. No, they need Christ. It's who they need. When unbelievers see you, you see your life exposing God to them, some of them will believe, some of them will glorify God when they encounter Him. The definitive article, the, is nowhere to be found in the Greek text uh, when it comes to the day of visitation. It's just simply day of visitation. Day of visitation. So, they, uh, the, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God. On, on, see, in English, it just, you just have to have it, but it's not in the original language. In day of visitation. And that, now that may refer either to a time when God visits that person to bring uh, blessings or deliverance. But it does not refer to the final judgment. Now, I mean, a lot of people say, well, that's what that means. But the word the, the, the word the is not there. And so it's not talking about the day, but the day that God encounters them and they encounter Him. It's that moment when they experience the presence of God. Oh, my goodness. They will remember you. They will remember that consistently lived life. They will remember that there was someone who showed them Jesus. Because of the way you consistently live as a believer, you can show others the difference that Christ makes in you, who is the hope of glory. You can show them who He is. It's important. But that is up to you. You know, that is... Well, it's, you know, it's really not up to you. If you have given your life, your body to God, then it's God's body and it's God's choice. It's up to Him. So how serious are we in following Christ? Are we serious enough to allow Him to put us out there? To guide us? To lead us? Are we, are we willing to allow him to be in control. Oh, it's hard as an American to allow anybody to be in control of us. Amen? Oh, we don't want anybody to tell us what to do. Oh, man. Uh-uh. Don't tell me. Well, I'm free. Yes, you are. You're free in Christ if you've given your heart and life to him. But he's in control and he's in charge. And when you've given yourself to him, you belong to him. And it's a truth that we all need to understand. 
and live day by day. You as a believer are not of this world. You are, and I are to live over and apart from this world. We are to live in a way that exposes God and others' lives. People need to see God. They need to see Jesus. They need to see His grace. Where is it? Where are they seeing it? Please do not think in your mind that they're seeing it anywhere else. Because if you think, oh, well, they're seeing it at, you know, at their church, they're seeing it in their family, they're seeing it in other people. Do not assume that. Live your life assuming that the only Jesus they are ever going to see is you. Live your life day to day thinking, oh my goodness, how can I show them Jesus? Can they see him in me? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, O God, for this day. I thank you, Father, for your love. I thank you for your grace. Oh, I thank you for your Son that you sent into this world to die on that cross for us, who took our sinful ways, our sins upon himself and paid with his life for our sins. Oh, God. You are amazing. Thank you for your love. Thank you so much. Father, if there's, if there's somebody here this morning that is thinking, look, I, this God, this one who loves me, I, how do I have a relationship with him? Is that possible? Yes, it's possible. It's possible to walk with God. All you need to do is talk to him. Tell him. Tell him you're sorry for your sins. Look, none of us, none of us are sinless. My prayer is that we sin less, but we're not sinless. Each one of us is a sinner. But some of us here this morning, many of us here this morning, have asked God to forgive us of of our sins and to come into our hearts and to walk with us and to lead our lives. Maybe that's what you need to do this morning. Maybe you're here and you need to make that decision to follow Christ. Maybe you you have some questions. I'll be here this week. I'll be here after the service. Maybe you just need to talk to someone about what that means to have Christ in your heart, to follow Him, to allow Him to be in charge of your life. Oh, I pray you won't put that decision off. But it is a decision that you have to make at some point in your life. And if God is calling you, if you understand that He is calling you, and you sense the presence of His Holy Spirit, and you need to make that choice to follow Him, would you do that today? Father, we thank You for the great love You have for us. We don't understand it. We admit it. We don't understand how You can look at us, sinful people, and love us anyway. That's tough. But God, You do it. Because You can and you have chosen to. So, Father, open our eyes. Open the eyes of our hearts. May, our, may the ears of our hearts hear your voice. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Words of Encouragement today. It's true. When you give yourself over to the Lord, you then belong to Him. He's in charge. It's just like when you get a job and you get a boss You're supposed to do what they want you to do. Doesn't mean you don't have a brain. Doesn't mean you can't suggest things. Doesn't mean you uh, can't think for yourself. But 
listen, this is different even. This is even better because this is a boss who loves you, a boss who knows you, a boss who has made it possible for you to be with him in heaven forever. And don't you think that he wants the best for you? That's something to think about. And it's a wonderful thing to think about, to know that we have a heavenly father who loves us. And listen, it's also, it also should make us want to please him, to follow him, to be obedient to him. It's a serious decision to give yourself over to the Lord. I hope that you have made that decision, though. If you haven't, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to talk with you. You can go to fbcwinsboro.com. That's fbcwinsboro.com, and you can contact us through our website. Let us see if we can help you in any way to understand who God is, to understand how much He loves you. I pray that uh, this uh, has been a time of encouragement for you. And remember, continue to tune in, continue listening, subscribe to this podcast uh, so that you can get every episode. Remember, the Lord speaks, and when He speaks, He speaks through His Word. And so through the preaching of His Word, you and I can hear the voice of God. So my prayer is that you will keep listening uh, to the voice of God as He speaks to you. Remember, you matter to him. That's why he sent Jesus. And because he did that, and because he loves you, we do too. Remember, we love you at the First Baptist Church of Winsboro.